0: To me about some of my messaging that I've created. Oh no no no! He created his own pitch. <laughs> okay. And in any other business, yeah. it would have been a. Key.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing and the F is for well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another epic marketing podcast? I'm your host Ian Truscott, I'm no rockstar but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my tour from techie to CMO and trusted advisor and each week I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums and share with you some marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rockstar. Come say hello, we are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn and proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday the 24th of June, I hope you've had a good week and you are well safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff and I will be spending some time by the Rockstar CMO swimming pool looking at what's been recently chucked in. Christopher Willis, CMO of AcroLynx, is back, and I wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with my chum, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment.
2: We'll be right back you may know you're listening to this show along the marketing podcast network but did you know there are other great shows on mpn to help your business christy heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called own it christy
1: Time for our first segment. My chum, Jeff Clark, former Serious Decisions Forestry Research Director and I take a look at some recent suggestions for the Rockstar CMO swimming Pool, our portal to hell for all the BS, snake hole and overhyped trends of this industry we love. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? Uh, Doing great. How's all on your side of the Atlantic? uh things are going good uh so um so if we start with the well with the local sports news went badly didn't it so So we're not going to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) and then if we look at the weather you what sort of day having in massachusetts today
3: it is a beautiful sunny uh summer day you know we're we're past the summer solstice solstice so now uh it's and it's gonna ramp up and get hot this weekend so we're Mm -hmm. uh we're we're catching a nice one before we have to sit in the air conditioning
1: yeah, I think we've got a cooler. We, we, we've got a little cooler spell because we've been had a very warm week, and uh, it's. I, don't know, I should say it's Friday, twenty fourth of June for your weather reports. <laughs> there we are. That's our proof of life, isn't it? Just to show that this we is. haven't been that we haven't been um, uh, kidnapped. That we really are. That's here. right. We're not in a
3: cellar <laughs> somewhere. We can actually see what it looks like outside.
1: Yes, and talking about outside this is what we plan to have as our monthly trip to the rockstar swim rockstar cmo swimming pool oh boy our portal to hell for all the bullshit snake oil and overhyped trends that we love about this industry uh and as regular listeners will know i ask our guests to nominate something for the rockstar cmo Swim pool something they can chuck in and then once a month you and i are gonna have a look at those and see what we think should they be rescued or should they be chucked in <laughs> Ready to go? I'm so, ready to go.
3: And actually, I'm pretty excited about this because, as you know, my uh, I have a my family and my grandson is showing up within a little bit more than a week. And so I actually have to blow up a little swimming pool today, right? a little inflatable <laughs> swimming pool. So this is, the timing of this is just absolutely perfect. <laughs> I love it. So you
1: are genuinely going to be by the pool today. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Good show.
1: Well, we picked out two. Uh, from recent episodes uh, because they're quite related. So we're going to have a look at Stop Measuring Success by the Number of Pieces Created, nominated by Kathy McKnight in episode 106. And you might have heard Kathy McKnight on last week's show also. And uh, also the Commodity Content Sausage Factory by Harry, that was nominated by Harry Morton in episode 116. And the reason why I sort of picked these two out, or did you pick these two out? Are you uh, you pick. <laughs> is I think they're both closely related, right? They're basically about the fact that we we're overproducing content, and to Cathy's point, we're judging people by the success of how many pieces are created rather than the quality of them. And I think that also plays nicely into this sausage of factory analogy that Harry came up with. So if we start with the first one, Jeff, stop measuring success by the number of pieces created. What's your nomination here? How do you how do you feel I, about this? What I say.
3: Keep it in the pool. As, as, <laughs>
1: as, as crowded as that
3: pool is getting, I'd say keep it in the pool. And uh-huh. and and you know, I mean, it is. I think you're right to definitely sort of conflate these two these two topics because, mm-hmm. you know, they both the challenges we're in a world of over communication. I mean, we're just getting you know on whatever what social platform, whatever websites we go to, media, yeah. TV, we just we're just like, there's stuff is just blaring at us, and so you're not going to get anywhere with volume on, Mm -hmm. you know, from your, from your mouthpiece, if you will. Uh, and so it becomes a a vanity metric of very little value. And so, um, as a matter of fact, I love the debate that you guys, you and Kathy had about uh, the definition of hamster wheel and (laughs) what's a good hamster wheel versus (laughs) a bad hamster wheel. But I always take hamster and hamsters are lovely little animals, but I always take the idea of the hamster wheel. It's like, you don't want to be, on that because you're just going and going and not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, you, you I mean you want to build content that that people will enjoy reading, sharing, leveraging over and over again, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's got real value. Um a company I've been working with recently, uh, you know, after the a lot of the big ransomware uh, issues last summer um, yeah. we sat down and we kind of went through what are the top lessons learned that we want to put to customers and we created a you know a document seven ransomware seven lessons learned and then we mm-hmm. were able to tease out pieces of that but the idea was you know making it really relevant to the audience and then making it something that could be you know teased yeah. apart and shared it for whatever particular point in the in a conversation you have with a client yeah. so it's that's, I mean, that's, a, that's a, quality that quality over quantity is the is the yeah theme. that
1: that last point you're making there about reuse i think and and the, producing one quality piece of content that you can then spin out other 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 um articles <laughs> or tweets or blog posts whatever it is right from it yeah yeah yeah, yeah
3: it's it's i mean it's the way to go we, and also you don't want to make that its own <laughs> hamster wheel if you no, will that's true uh you know, and and we'll as we talk about the, the sausage factory, we can get mm-hmm. a little bit more. But there are two, just you know, in terms of the measurement of volume, um, mm-hmm. at least in my experience, there there are two reasons to track volume. And so, one mm-hmm. is if you are, uh, you know, if you're preparing early stages of a campaign development, or you're putting like a sales portal or a partner portal together, you know, tracking the volume of material. Just as are we are we are we in a point. Of readiness for mm-hmm. the launch of that thing so yeah. that's uh, certainly one legitimate way for saying you know we're, we're tracking volume because we just want to show you we're you know here's the progress report yeah. um, and then the second is the size of your cms your content marketing system you, you know yeah. the staff of your creative services team i mean so understanding the volume of, of, um, of in the workflow and what are the outputs uh you know it's certainly helpful for that but that's but that's not something you're going to um cheer about with the excess success with your customer yeah i
1: mean that's just project planning isn't it i mean rather than measuring success it's saying oh we in order for this campaign to work we we need in our MRM system for example 10 pieces of content that we that i mean i don't know whether you'd use would you use an mrm about anyway whichever system is that we're using right is that we would um we would allocate a certain number of pieces of content to that campaign. So really, it's just a it's, it's a feature of project management, isn't it, to say that we're Absolutely. ready Absolutely. rather than to say, well, you're successful as a content team because you could produce yeah. 50 items this week. Yeah.
3: Right. And, as, and as a matter of fact, from a strategy perspective, a content yeah. strategy or a campaign strategy, you really should be looking at what you do not want to create. So right. as opposed to the volume that we're creating, it's like, let's make sure we go through... And anything that is not going to have an impact on the uh, the upcoming campaign, uh, it, it just we we need to take it off the table.
1: Right, right, right. We so you're saying, for other things. Yeah, yeah, and but and also if you, I mean, you get what you you get what you measure, don't you? As they as I Yes. Say. So if yeah. if you're going to measure your content team by number of things they create, the quality of those things. That's what they're going to create. That's yeah, what they're going to they, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And also, I mean, I think to your point that you made just a moment ago about that sort of ransomware piece there was a piece of research that needs to go into that presumably right and that's yes that's the that's the bit that's not being measured isn't it if, if you were to measure somebody by the number of assets they're creating two-thirds of that time is probably research isn't it before you even put pen to paper oh, yeah. so so Absolutely. you don't really get that you don't get you don't get that quality because that's the bit of time that will get cut in order to produce more yep yes very Absolutely. good so so we're, we're all in favour of Cathy's suggestion of uh, Stop Measuring Success by Number of Pieces Created, so that's definitely going into the pool. And on a related note, then, I'm guessing where this is going to go as well because we've just described a content sausage factory, which is a lovely word that Harry Morton used uh, when he <laughs> nominated this for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the swim pool in episode 116. So uh, what do you think of this one? Uh, what say you, Jeff?
3: Well, I, I uh, first first comment is that we shouldn't be little sausage because you know it, <laughs> it has a it has its place um, mm. in many cuisines. But the um, <laughs> as much as I would hate to throw a sausage into the pool, I think it goes back in. Mm. Uh, and, and it was interesting as I was I was you know in preparation for this, I just started looking at some what other people's comments were about. Actually, mm-hmm. more about the commodity. Uh, term of commodity content and um and and it was interesting that there were it seemed to be kind of people pro and con the terminology but when you think about you know commodities i mean the definition is a basic good that's identical to other goods of the same type Mm -hmm. so like a crude oil or something like that and that's like from our content perspective that is absolutely where you don't want to go i mean you just you 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 don't but I mean, you don't want to look like everybody else. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you don't want to talk to your audience the same way everybody else does, or, or otherwise, why would they be talking to you? Yeah. Um, so, so there's
1: really two pieces of this that needs to go into the pool. The first one is the concept of commodity content. We shouldn't be producing that at all, and producing it in a sausage factory. That's right. <laughs> that we're off of hamster wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think
3: the yeah, I think the uh, the health and uh, board of health would have problems with both of those. <laughs> The um so the other thing that that the, I I did run across um a, a couple interesting blogs on this topic from yeah. a group called Marketing Showrunners had had mm-hmm. heard of them before but you know they had mentioned that commodity content is designed simply to attract an audience without regard for keeping that audience and and, and giving them a compelling reason to you know continue to be in conversation with you yeah. and which I think they made a really good point is that is that you know most of the vehicles we're using for getting our content out, you're talking to multiple audiences, you're talking to people who don't know about who you are, aren't aware of your brand, probably talking about people who may be familiar with your brand, but they're not yet customers. Then you've got customers and you've got customers at various stages. And so, you know, the commodity content really is, is just trying to attract general attention, you know, get eyeballs. You know, you're going to turn up on search for certain terminology and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you're so you okay i'm maybe i'm addressing one of those audiences but i'm not addressing the rest of them or i'm not addressing them as they as they develop a you know relationship virtual or personal with 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 my organization and um did i remember the 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 days the days of you know putting like rss feeds Mm. or you know twitter uh twitter feeds in onto a website just so you can show you know there's activity and stuff like that and it's like well that's just pure unfiltered stuff that doesn't have any relevance to much of your audience. But
1: is it also the commodity content is, you know, if we think about like the hero hub and hygiene model, um, listening to you there about the way you refer to commodity content, I was just thinking about it as like generic content that we shouldn't do it at all. But it sounds like if we think about hero hub and hygiene, that's kind of like the hygiene content, isn't it? That you need to create some content that is not differentiated because that just, you know, the stuff that describes who you are what your products do is it isn't the content marketing story that's just stuff you need to do and that might be commodity f- to a certain extent or am I giving this commodity content too much credit
3: <laughs> you're probably giving <laughs> commodity well so I mean I mean again this gets down to what are we going to put into that bucket that we're gonna call a commodity content but, yeah so I yeah. think the thing is that if you if you if you realize, there is content that I need to provide for the, you know, the unaware uh, mm-hmm. perspective prospect mm-hmm. that's in my general target audience. I need to put content yeah. together for the prospect who understands me or knows who I am, who's coming to my website, perhaps. Yeah. And then I need to put content together for the the, the customer. And there's a mm-hmm. there's a journey in there. And so I, I need to be I need to be addressing all of those uh you know all those buckets of content, if you will, so yeah. um so that I think that's the main issue is that yeah there 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 could be something out there that just helps you know get yeah. eyeballs uh but make sure that that's not getting in the way right. of you trying to get your message to um the people who right. are further down the dr- journey
1: right, so that's that other piece of it so therefore, my interpretation of commodity content was the um hygiene content that everybody needs, but also we're saying here that it's it's almost like snackable you know, high sugar content that actually I mean, your description here that you got from marketing show runners is that it fails to make it, it fails to make a compelling case of why they should continue to spend time with the brand, yes. right? So it's yeah. it's like that five top things um, just quickly off. It's the same as everybody else does. And it's, and it, but it it doesn't differentiate. It doesn't really do anything apart from maybe attract some traffic. Right. Yeah. And that's, and remember
3: snacks, you know, snacks are fine in limited quantity. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and i think as well um you know that idea of these two ideas are so related to each other aren't they so harry talking about the sausage factory and churning out sausages or cookies or whatever because he threw in cookies in there as well he did throw in cookies which I, quite I like that. as well <laughs> <laughs> and um and he he was talking about that and i think that's the same as what um is uh, what kathy's saying right is that if you do start measuring people by um the number of items then you're going to create a sausage factory because that yep. is what your team will do yeah. cool all right
3: and i and i loved harry's comment about starting and again this was in reference mm. to podcasts but starting yeah. with a listener determining yeah. what they need yeah. and of course that's this is something we've talked about over and over again and it's like yeah. okay you got to figure out okay what is the content that i need to provide to that listener and so you can kind of go through you know, I, we, we always love, you know, the a five point strategy or a six point strategy. Yeah. But it's like if you just to think about it, you build content to address those needs, you know, mm-hmm. you determine when in a journey you need to provide that message to mm-hmm. to the, your audience. You know, find the watering holes where you're going to catch their eye and attention and provide that content. Measure mm-hmm. how well you're engaged there and then determine how to improve it. Is it working or mm-hmm. is it improving? Is it not working? And then you can kind of rinse and repeat that cycle over and over again.
1: Yeah, cool. And then that measuring of engagement—that's something Kathy also talked about. Yes, she talked about measuring impact instead of measuring number. Have you got any thoughts on the way that organisations should measure the impact of their content? Well, I think that it is.
3: I mean, if 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 you if you've properly categorized your content by the journey and seeing that you're engaging people throughout a journey, of course, Mm one of the challenges is as you get closer to closing, then a lot of that journey happens through the sales team and so how yeah. am i be able to measure the use of of content you know yeah. in sales uh engagements etc which which obviously yeah. that becomes a, a big challenge um yeah. but there certainly are ways of of trying to get that information out of mm-hmm. your sales team but it but i think you know again looking across the journey measuring the engagement across the journey mm-hmm. um you can try to do some sort of attribution although we you know we've Talked about the pros and cons of attribution yeah. to w- yeah. wins and losses and things like that, uh, but uh, but again, maybe we
1: should do. Maybe we should have a conversation about that one time and just we like dive should. That is
3: that. that is a that's yeah. a topic, a deep it's, topic in of itself.
1: Yeah, because we talked about building content to address needs, and we talked about building personas around needs and stuff. So. So that's that's cool. All right, mate. So that's fantastic. So those two nominations, well done, Harry and Kathy, will definitely be hitting the Rockstar CMO swimming pool and clogging up the filter and whatever (laughs) else. I think I need to set the scene that we're standing in the penthouse, chucking it over the balcony. That's right. Into the watery blue (laughs) ash. (laughs) All right. And then so we've done the local weather. We've done the topic for the day. The next job on the agenda is uh, what are we going to listen to? What am I going to play out with on this, Jeff?
3: Well, you know there are there are many songs about this theme about too much, you know mm-hmm. which is what we've been talking about and um, the one that really think like, rose to the top of the pool was mm-hmm. dave matthews' band's version of Too Much in nineteen ninety six uh, which, I mean, it's interesting because as I was looking through the lyrics, I mean, it's about yeah. his insatiable appetite. You know, he looks like a pretty healthy guy. So even though he says <laughs> he drinks too much and he eats too much, I'm not sure that's really the case. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing is, that's, you know, you got to be thinking, a lot of people in your audience may be suffering from that. So you've got to yeah. be able to cut through and, uh, and connect and engage.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I love it. So we'll be playing out with Too Much by Dave Matthews' band from 1996. 1996. And Jeff, I know that you're going on holiday, impending leave. So next week, I think is you're, you're coming back next week. Yes, yes, and then we'll lose you for a couple of weeks. And then we uh, must
3: talk about what we're going to talk about. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, that's, well, I mean, we haven't decided what, we, what we're going to talk about, so it'll be a surprise for us and the listener. All right, mate. I'll see you next week. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Bye, bye, buddy. Bye, bye. Thank you, Jeff, for That Was Too Much by the Dave Matthews Band from 1996, and counting what we are putting in the commoditized content sausage factory is staying in the pool. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, give us a shout on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. On to our guest. I welcome back Christopher Willis, AcroLinks' chief marketing officer, who I last chatted to on episode 85. I heard him chatting to another former guest, Drew Nyser, on his Renegade Marketers Unite podcast, and wanted to have him back to explore some of the topics we touched on when we last chatted. Love chatting to Chris. Hope you enjoy this Welcome back, Chris, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you for having me back.
1: No, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And it's a shame not to share video because you're looking very well. I I believe you've been on vacation.
0: I've, I've been floating out in the Long Island Sound. It was beautiful weather last week.
1: Yeah, lovely, lovely. So for people, I mean, you were with us on episode 85 last time I think we spoke. And um, for people that are new to the show and maybe didn't listen to that episode, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. Uh, I am the CMO and Chief Pipeline Officer of a company called AcroLynx. Uh, AcroLinks is an AI-powered software product that improves the quality and impact of enterprise content. So if you think in terms of, you know, everybody understands the concept of an authoring assistant, um, something that provides you with guidance as you write. Um, but going beyond that, How do you roll that out across an entire business? In most cases, you don't. And how do you legislate the use of something like that? In most cases, you don't. Mm -hmm. So the ability to have content gates, quality gates, essentially. Think of the TSA um, Mm -hmm. stop point in the airport. Nothing goes through unless it's brought up to your company's guidelines. Mm -hmm. Um, And then post-publishing, how does your content actually perform? You've created a great piece of content. Fantastic. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. What if it doesn't perform? What can you learn from that? What can you take from failure to drive back into your process? and improve going forward. So that, in, in essence, is what Acrolinks does.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'm fascinated by this stuff. I'm a fellow content geek, and I would encourage people to go back and listen to episode 85 because I think we dived into the products a bit more and a bit more into all that content stuff. But one of the things I did want to pick up on, because I don't think we talked about it last time, and I've seen you talk about this on LinkedIn, is you talk about this idea of content impact. What exactly do you mean by content impact?
0: So it's not just about having high-quality content content it's about achieving the business goal of content so what are you building and why what is your expected outcome because Mm -hmm. we're we're businesses we we work for a living and so everything should have an expected result and sometimes we don't think about that expected result an obvious example would be um a blog article for instance Mm -hmm. what do what do i do here what am i trying to accomplish I'm trying to accomplish the the delivery of a blog. No, I I am trying to drive organic traffic um, through the cool ideas that our company has. Uh, I'm trying to do some conversion work, probably. I probably have uh, several conversion points inside uh, my blog articles. Uh, I'm trying to drive attention and awareness of time on page. So there's expected impact from a single blog article. Mm-hmm. How am I doing with this? Like, How am I doing attracting an audience? How am I doing converting an audience? And what can I learn from the way that I'm building my content mm-hmm. to further yeah. that impact? So it's not just I have good impact or a good content. I have mm-hmm. scored objectively good content. Mm-hmm. It's that that good content is achieving its purpose because if I have good content that isn't achieving its purpose, it's not actually good. Yeah. So it's the connection of, of strategy alignment. So I've, I've defined a strategy, the way that I create my content, I know it internally, boom, and I've governed it. Everything's mm-hmm. perfect. And I have this whole collection of scored content. that says it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But if I put it out in the world and nobody yeah. cares about it, yeah, like, that's, it's not, good so your strategy yeah. is only as good as the connection with your audience and so by being able to see that connection with your audience or lack thereof
1: <laughs> yeah
0: you're able yeah. to move from strategy alignment to audience alignment yeah. and get closer and closer to creating content that mm-hmm. works that drives the impact that you need and so we see that as as really the category in which we play it's not mm-hmm. yes we do have, authoring assistance built into our platform, mm-hmm. but that's not the cool part. The yeah. cool part of it is that we go into post publication and help you understand what's working and what's not and how to yeah. build models that show you how to build more impactful content. So I can say in all honesty to a prospect, yeah. like if your goal is conversions, I can show you how we can create additional conversion if your goal is revenue through your content i can show you a path to greater revenue Mm -hmm. and we hear more and more customers now saying we measure success of our content in revenue okay cool then should we be increasing the impact of your content like changes the way your business runs
1: yeah no i love this i'm fascinated by measurement of content and impact and i think that Right, At the beginning of what you were saying there was, "Are we creating this piece of content because the objective is to create a blog post? So many people are at that level of maturity aren 't they? I need to create some content, therefore I have created some content yeah. and yes, it passes some some fairly rudimentary SEO tests or whatever it is with key, keywords and things, but it hasn 't done the two things that you were saying, which is move on to being strategically important and then important to the audience, right which are the uh, the other two metrics which so I think I think is absolutely fascinating so so that's your content impacting now just to move a little bit back to yourself and uh, one of the things that uh i've noticed as we known each other a little while now is that you've been at Acrolinks for four years oh, and i was thinking no i was thinking wow no. because the, there's this trend of the short cmo tenures right that we're only supposed to be in post for what between two and four years or something like that and you've been there four years i've got to ask you what's your secret
0: so i mean i think that there's there's a couple things afoot here mm-hmm. um One is the business in general, what we're doing. I I mean, I I come out of mobile. I was in mobile for almost 20 years in mobile app development, into platform development, into mobile cloud testing. And to make the jump into this space, I mean, to say that nobody wants to talk to the CMO at a mobile cloud testing company that sells to DevOps is an understatement. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm a service bureau. Nobody gives a shit what I do. And so coming to AckerLinks where... I'm more of the conversation and I can, mm-hmm. I can meet with customers and be relevant to them. Mm-hmm. That was super interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing is I, the domain of what we do is very interesting to me and to my role. But the second thing, and and, and it's not in second place, I don't think is the people that I work with, the relationship mm-hmm. that I have with our CRO, for instance, yeah. Um, I think everybody in, in our role has been in a number of jobs where there's a lot of friction between yeah. the CRO and the CMO. And and we just don't have that. We've never had that. I remember waking up for the first year after we hired Shane <laughs> thinking is today the day that I'm going to discover that he's a jerk. And, <laughs> and it never happened. And now I'm concerned that maybe I'm the jerk. Like maybe it's me. Um,
1: <laughs> You'll have to ask him what he wakes up thinking. <laughs> I, I do. Um,
0: and, but I mean, we we talk by choice, not by force. We are yeah. friendly and mm-hmm. we have a common goal and we don't always agree, but we always talk about that. And yeah. it it makes it, it would be very hard to even think about going out and building another sales management relationship. Like, I just yeah. don't want to do that. Um, the next one would be our our CEO. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if you'd asked me three and a half years ago, "What's your next job?" With my ego, I would have said, oh, "I'm going to go be CEO somewhere." Yeah. And then we hired Volker Smith, mm-hmm. and I learned very quickly I don't know anything about <laughs> how to be a CEO. <laughs> right. And and so this experience of of working with him. Yeah. Uh, to build my experience and expand my horizons. That's where this this chief pipeline position comes from. I did not yeah. make this up. He did. Wow. And putting me in a position where I am, I have some level of responsibility over the creation, progression, and future quarters of our pipeline. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I have a lot of levers, right? So yeah. I have the marketing organization, the top of the funnel, that I can adjust and and throttle yeah. and and increase output on I have product marketing, where I can affect and impact the middle of the funnel. And then I have a lot of data. So I can Mm. look at the health of the business in a slightly different way. Um, But I wouldn't I mean, there's a million CMO jobs right now, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't get this one. Like this, yeah. this isn't out there, and yeah, so yeah. this this CMO plus role that I think a lot of companies are pitching right now still mm-hmm. doesn't really get me to the experience that I'm able to have in this business. Right, right, right. And, it, and yeah. I think it very closely ties back to just the overall way we look at the process, the funnel. This yeah. the, we we talk in terms of sales velocity mm-hmm. and when you think about you know if my goal is to increase sales velocity what is that what does that mean how do we how do we get there mm-hmm. and what levers do do i have as the marketing guy mm-hmm. to make that happen so sales velocity is a, is an equation it's the number of opportunities times the average deal size times the win rate over mm-hmm. the average sales cycle length and wouldn't you guess that I can impact all of those things. Yeah. So if we're trying to increase overall this value, mm-hmm. the number of opportunities, well, we're top of funnel. We're BDRs. We're, we're running the programs that fuel the mm. number of opportunities that are created. Yeah. Um, average deal size. Like that's product marketing, product management. It's delivering the right product is messaging the right value. It's creating the right tools mm-hmm. to generate, value in the eyes of the customer and increase that average deal size mm-hmm. win rate is that middle of the funnel end of the funnel support um, the right tools messaging etc process that are going to drive us into closing and then average sales cycle is about getting us in the right position progressing us at the right speed um, right. through the sales methodology that we use to be able to close a deal in a responsible amount of time right and, and-
1: and, and of course, if, if you've um, if you've educated the customer through or the prospect through through marketing, then you can bring that down.
0: Right? Right. So Absolutely. As you
1: say, each of those things, as the CMO or chief pipeline officer, which I'll ask you about in a moment, you can influence. So repeat that that metric again. What what that what that sales velocity is? And so then
0: sales you... sales velocity comes out to be a single dollar amount. Yeah. Oh wow. But okay. But it's number of opportunities mm-hmm. times the average deal size times right. the win rate over the average sales cycle length. And we do right. that over a previous four quarter period. Right. So wherever right. you're sitting, look back four quarters from the beginning of this quarter and measure right. that output. And that comes up with, again, a dollar amount. And that's the, right. the dollar value per day that an individual rep or sales organization is creating. And it doesn't matter so much what the dollar amount is because everybody's business is different. Yeah. It would be awesome if it was super high. But yeah. whatever it is, yeah. directionally, I want to see it increase over yeah. time. And yeah. what it allows us to see is things like attention and focus. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so we got to focus on new logo right now. Mm-hmm. Is that going to, am I going to see an impact, an expansion, sales velocity? Well, that right. lower velocity because we see less deals, less opportunities being created? We're seeing... Um, less of a, of a, uh, average of a win rate associated with that because attention is being split and it's an early indicator on a quarter by quarter basis that your focus is being lost. And we, we're literally using it to, to drive our, our mix of programs between in this case, new logo and expansion, um, and individual sellers based on their velocity,
1: Right. And, and how often do you look at that metric? Is that like a weekly thing when you do your, you your meeting?
0: We build it out quarterly at the uh-huh. entire sales organization level and then right. again quarterly at the individual rep. And right. we're communicating right. it on a fairly regular basis. Right. Um, I also look at things like net pipeline impact. Mm-hmm. So what are we actually putting in? Take out rollover, take out expansion of opportunities. Right. What's actually coming in in a current quarter to help right. us fill gaps in our pipeline in future quarters. Um, And all of these things are our health gauges. Um, We're looking back, we're either looking forward four quarters or backwards four quarters to build out these models um, that aren't just a moment in time because pipeline doesn't work like that. It's an evolving waterfall at any given moment. Um, So being able to see it in annual basis, it starts to make things make sense because when you look at, you know, unweighted versus weighted pipeline Yeah, on a quarterly basis, it's not super actionable. It's helpful. It's directional, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not there yet. What we see over the course of four or five, four quarter periods is patterns that show you whether or not those things are valuable, whether, whether the conversion rates that you're modeling on are, mm-hmm. are relevant to the actual conversion rates you're seeing. And are we building the right, are we, f- building the right plans to fuel the engine accurately. And we're adjusting that on a, on a quarterly basis. So I need X, you know, three X pipeline to be able to be healthy. Yeah. We see that change and we have to adjust with that. It, it keeps the teams on their toes um, yeah. because the model could change and you could have a much different gap than you thought, either smaller or bigger. Um, but it is about driving into the next quarter and the quarter after that in position to be successful, yeah, or to know couple, that you're not going to be.
1: Yeah, a couple of things I like about this is the kind of long-term thinking you've got both backwards and forwards in terms of in terms of what you're looking at here. So many times, particularly in B2B now, we're so driven, aren't we, for quarter quarterly, monthlies, weeklies, whatever we're doing, but you're using a much broader um, lens aren't you to to view where you guys are which yep. i think is really interesting but also the fact that this is a metric that everybody owns right from ceo cro u cmo or chief pipeline officer um so we're all in it together right on this absolutely
0: one. i mean when yeah. we started this process um i was the only person that really felt the pain of pipeline like mm-hmm. yeah i my entire i mean I'm not embarrassed to say, I don't know if this is not supposed to be public information, but my MBOs <laughs> are all pipeline. I don't have mm-hmm. a single marketing oriented MBO. It's mm-hmm. all tied to unweighted and weighted pipeline for future quarters mm-hmm. uh, across new logo and expansion. And it was just, when we started, it was just me. Like everybody mm-hmm. else is focused on you know their yeah. piece of this and sales is focused on the closing. But as we've evolved, we share this. This is yeah. something that, that the next level down sales management experiences, this is the next thing that my demand gen team experiences. Um, right. Our CRO is part of this. Everybody shares this set of metrics and it, it's just another level of alignment that mm-hmm. we all care about this. So I have, you know, I'm coming into tomorrow morning. Um, I have a meeting, with um the next level the vp level of sales management to talk about the the micro goals that we have going forward into next month to be able to get us in the right position as we end that month Uh, and we do that monthly and i meet with each individual salesperson on a monthly basis to go through their pipeline and their progression to make sure that they're putting themselves in a position to be successful going forward and that's in addition to their their sales one-on-ones with their sales management or with shane our cro to drive yeah. their habits and their behavior and their expectations, um, there's a lot of support to mm-hmm. drive the the health of the business. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love I love the, I love the um, way that you guys are so integrated between sales and marketing, and that, and that sort of touches on and um, what you were mentioning earlier in the fact that you, you you're described as it turns out by your CEO as chief pipeline officer. How did, um, and so you've got this amazing relationship with the CRO. How did this chief pipeline officer thing come about? Was yeah. it just was it before you joined, or has it been a discussion ever since?
0: Or what? It, how, how did No, it uh, when Volker joined the business, our, our CEO, um, yeah. he he came in with a lot of data and a view of the business, and we were in my one-on-one, and he said, "Somebody needs to own this, and your options are you, me, or Shane." And I (laughs) said, I don't really a hundred percent understand what you're talking about, but it's me, Uh, it's me, me. I'm going to do this. Um, and we spent the first six months really working through what it even means because Mm -hmm. we don't have a solid model. When you go and look up this, the title started as a joke, I think, and it just sort of stuck, um, in in our business and it's spread a little bit. But when I, when I started this process, go for, find another chief pipeline officer and the answer is there was only one there was two there was one at salesforce and there was one at ptc and then it was just the one at ptc and i spoke with him and you know we tried to get it we're doing very different things so there isn't a model out there there's no job description there is no overview of what this Mm -hmm. means so there's also no division of labor between this role and the cmo role and the sales role um so we've we've kind of just built it out. And yeah. when we hit a, a wa- a border, whether it's implicitly there or not, it's usually identified like, okay, that's a thing you don't need to do. Mm. Um, but that's rare. Um, because again, we are also driven to the same goal. Like we know as a business where we're headed, we know what our objectives are, what our goals are through 2025, Um, And so we're all just working together to get there. And so we very rarely bump into each other. If anything, if there's overlap, it's just additive. Yeah, Um, it
1: sounds sounds to me like, I mean, this chief pipeline officer thing should be a thing. You know, I I mean, I think if you were to define and distill down and write down the model that you guys are doing, I think people would would listen to that. I think that, I
0: think this is, it's, it's interesting. It's hard because I think of my last company and I had a very capable CRO that I Mm. worked with in the last company, but I don't think, I think one of us would be dead. Um, (laughs) I don't think it would have worked because we were much more territorial in that business. Yeah, Yeah. And I think if I had been, you know, all up in his face or vice versa, um, it it would have been toxic mm-hmm. but in this business because of the people and yeah. and the relationships it just never has been and it goes both ways so I'm all up mm-hmm. in the sales stuff I got a meeting invite a couple of weeks ago that just said messaging from our CRO yeah. Yeah. and I thought oh he must talk to me about some of my messaging that I've created oh no 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 he created his own
1: <laughs> okay. And in
0: any other business, yes, it would have been a I huge know. no. <laughs> but yeah. turnabout is fair play. And I yeah. would love to see what you came up with because you spend time in front of customers and you've been yeah. trying things. What have you got? Yeah. And yeah. what he has, to be honest, is transformative. And mm-hmm. we've integrated it into everything that we're messaging right now because yeah. it's real. And yeah. so I could. I could be territorial and say, no, nobody's going to message anything that I don't come up with, but that's not Uh, good for the business and it's not the business that we are. So I think that I agree the concept of the active management of pipeline health Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense in businesses, but it's. Mm -hmm. It's got to be the right set the right up people,
1: the it. right mix. Yeah, and I and and I and I and I, I also I love that point that you made there about the fact that sales can really contribute to messaging because they're the people that need to stand up in front of people and say it. It's all very well for us marketers in our in our little you know ivory tower or. Mm-hmm. I don't know Marriott hotel hotel conference room coming up with this stuff on a whiteboard, but some bloke is going to have to stand up in front of some people and say the words that we're we're putting together. So exactly. quite often they're they're really good at the input into the messaging, can't they?
0: Hundred percent. And yeah. I think we miss that in a lot of businesses yeah. because yeah. I don't want to hear from you. Please don't yeah. tell me your ideas. I'm also <laughs> I I'm the one that does that, and it doesn't. What I've learned, and this is very much yeah. a learning experience, is it doesn't yeah. it doesn't need to be like that. It no. it is like that in a lot of cases, but it doesn't need to be that way, and it's better when it doesn't. And yeah. and that I mean, back to the one of the first questions: Why am I here for so long? Yeah. Because this is unique. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a business, we're unique. As a product, we're unique. As a group of people, we're unique. And yes, there are other jobs out there, but not yeah. this one. So. Oh i love Um,
1: it i love it and and, and we're we're right out of time we've gone beyond time actually and um i think that's a good point at which to leave the conversation in terms of you know where you are is such a great spot um i was going to mention that you were on drew niser's podcast renegade marketers unite which i'm a big fan of so i'll just include a link to that in the show notes from when you did that maybe we'll come maybe you'll come back on and talk about being a founding member of that because i think that's a fascinating story as well i would love to and um and I think, I mean, and then I was going to ask you about your, um, just quickly, you ch- <laughs> you chucked sponsoring huge conferences into the Rockstar CMO Swimpool last time you were on uh, our portal to marketing hell. Any regrets? Or did you have a new nomination?
0: <laughs> All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. I'm rethinking that. So, but here's how I am going to limit. I'm going to limit it. Uh, yeah. I struggle every day with the constant evolution of GDPR and it's really frustrating. Like it's, it's frustrating. Like, you know what? We don't need to do business in Europe level frustrating. And because that's not an answer, uh, you need to think of different ways to do things. And I don't want, so DMX go is coming up big conference in Dusseldorf and we've done it ourselves with a booth. And I think it might've been the story that I told last time where we spent 24,000 euros to be in the back of hall nine with no signage. yeah, I don't want to do that.
1: I've got to tell you, I've spent 250,000 euros to be at Dimexco mm. in the past. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the look on your face, um, I wish we were on video because you're absolutely right. It but, was a lot of fun, but oh, what it's, return it's a are you going to time from? I
0: ran into friends. It's nice, <laughs> um, but, but we came back with nothing. And yeah. so I don't want to do that. What I do want to do is identify partners that we can work with. So we have some yeah. very large, very spendy partners that will have a big presence at shows like that. And can we, I mean, I am happy to throw in and do a partner pod um, where we can feature our solution inside a partner booth. I think it makes a lot of sense to be there. Conversations count. And this business was built on the back of conferences like that, but I want to accelerate that process. So how do we put ourselves with the right people in the right mm-hmm. setting, at the right cost to make it effective for us. And I think that's one channel in a world where I can't just email everybody I want to email. That's a yeah. great way to be out there, build awareness, and build pull model, bringing people yeah. into the tent. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to throw away sponsoring huge conferences anymore. <laughs> I, I, maybe here in North America for a while. Um, uh-huh. But that that's... I think that's back it came out of the pool it's it yeah, could swim as it. it turned out
1: <laughs> i love it well thank you very much chris a, a joy to speak to you again and i look forward to having you back on the show maybe we'll start digging into some of the things we didn't quite manage to capture this time around awesome. um, thanks very much for your time mate. thank I'll you for having
0: you. me Bye.
1: Thank you, Chris. And if you spin the dial on the interwebs, you can find Chris at CP Willis on Twitter or Christopher Willis on LinkedIn. And I will, of course, include all his links plus the link to our first interview where you can learn all about Chris in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening. Time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought.
2: What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my wow! I, it, look at the bar. It, it is. It, I mean, look at the bar here. You've got an entire 30 like. 30 is this? Did SpaceX move in? Because it feels <laughs> like you've got the entire sort of you know network operations center for rocket ships, and and it looks like NASA in here. It's amazing. So multi multifunction the bar, my friend, and that I think that's. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. You've got countdowns going on, you've got Nine, rocket ships going eight, up, you've got seven oh, six, We've five, uh, we've
1: in housed all of our IT operations.
2: Yes. <laughs> that's good. Zero, that's good. Eight, I expect Elon Musk to walk in any minute
1: and
2: <laughs> yeah. do something yeah, with SpaceX. It
1: was it was I mean, I know that we should really focus on one thing, which is to run a virtual bar. But you know, these days you've got to diversify, so that's space, right. Why not? It's, you know, why not?
2: Multiple streams of revenue you're you're turning into a you're turning the virtual bar into a platform and I think that's yeah. a very smart yeah. business strategy. We
1: we, we sell ourselves here obviously because we're British as more Richard Bransons than, than Elon Musk's. So, but ah, well, yes, nonetheless, we're still shooting for space here. So we'll just let um, let's let one of these rockets go and then maybe we, we can have a conversation. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: All so, right. So we, we do actually have a drink um, for yes. This. Um, oh, cool. So it is. It is. It is the heart of summertime here uh, in in California, anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and it has been hot. And there's one one of my very favorite things. So I stopped drinking soda, per se, yes. um, or you know, pop, or you know, Coca Cola, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it in the whatever the local the the local parlance is soft drinks soft (laughs) drinks yes um but there but isn't there a word for it in the uk that's not um i don't know because people keep saying soda soft drinks fizzy drinks fizzy drinks i I don't
1: really drink them either so yeah yeah. indeed the trouble is in our house because i live in a house where we've spent a lot of time living in america my kids one of them more more especially has a, a fairly american accent the, the language in our house isn't really English
2: anyway. So,
1: so, So those guys drink soda and would, would look for soda. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so that's why I've lost my, my, um, my own language. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. I got gotcha. you. And the mother tongue, as
2: it were, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, in any event, mm-hmm. um, I, I have stopped drinking that, you know, some, some years ago. Um, yes. However, I have retained the taste and passion for drinking root beer, um, which I absolutely love root beer. But the interesting thing is I only really love root beer in the summertime. I don't really ever drink Mm -hmm. it in the winter, which, you know, so occasionally when I get the chance, I just absolutely adore root beer. And I discovered Mm -hmm. this drink, um, because of course, you know, I'll put alcohol into anything. Um, (laughs) and so, I thought to myself, what would go good with mm-hmm. root beer? And so I tried a rye whiskey. Um, and uh, basically, you, 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 you know, so there's a classic drink called uh, uh, a, a classic, they're called, it's called a classic Ricky. Um, mm-hmm. And it's ostensibly just uh, rye whiskey, uh, lime juice and water ostensibly. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's just switch out the soda water, basically the sparkling water for root beer and see how that, and the rye whiskey actually tastes amazing in there, Uh, especially if you get one that's, you know, if you get a rye that is, you know, very woody and, and, um, caramelly and, and mm -hmm. all of that, it just pairs so beautifully with a root beer. So Really, you can skip the lime juice. I mean, it, you can put <laughs> lime juice in if you want, but to me, uh, I never really liked lime in my root beer anyway. I just put literally root beer and uh, a bit of rye whiskey in there over ice, and oh my goodness, is that a tasty so, drink. Uh, Sounds. And what are we calling that? Uh, well, I guess we would call it a root beer Ricky. Um, right. But... I just call it root beer uh, a good root beer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and rye rye whiskey, is that I mean, what's the relationship with rye whiskey and
2: bourbon? Uh you know, I think it's just the way that it's um uh uh-huh. processed. Um Right. Yes. Um Right. So I need it, to look out for some rye
1: whiskey then.
2: Yeah, it it's 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 it, it is a it is different. Uh-huh. Uh, Probably somebody's thumping the radio right now going, you idiots, man.
1: Bourbon's made of this. I can imagine. Well, rye is
2: typically going to be, you know, a little more spicier. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a little more of an aggressive flavor Yeah. Um, than bourbon. Bourbon is going to be a little more mellow, a little more mm. Uh, mm. Uh, uh, sweetness. Um, and it's, you know, so the difference between Rye and bourbon, of course, is the ingredients that are made to do that. Right. I mean, <laughs> Which is like a lot of drinks, isn't it?
1: The difference you know, you know, between it's them rye of the
2: <laughs> instead of, you know, instead of yeah. a different grain. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, but otherwise, it's it's just a, it's just a little spicier, a little – the, the nice. taste flavor is a little different. Nice.
1: Well, and I also think that sounds like a little bit of America right there, rye whiskey and root beer, man. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, I'm going to attempt to make an English version uh, using the ingredients of my desktop bar, and I think we're going to agree that this requires ice. I think you mentioned that. And I will use, having learned all about rye whiskey just now, the most English of rye whiskies, which, of course – is gin and
2: I shall go ah yes
1: nice slug the most
2: gin. English of rye whiskies. <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> and the most English of uh, gins they are Hendrix
2: ah right? yes well Hendrix is good
1: yes and I I don't drink that much soda either um, but what I do drink uh, when I'm drinking my English rye whiskey is of course tonic water flavoured by the wonderful people who don't sponsor the show Fever Tree with some wonderful Roots of Cucumbers. <laughs> so let me give this a try. Laughing to myself. Mm. Oh, that's delicious, Robert. I could drink one of these every week.
2: Yeah, I'm telling and, you.
1: And what are we calling this? We're calling this just a root beer.
2: Yeah, I, you know, a summer... A, a, how about this, to, to borrow from UK, a proper summer, summer root beer. Nice. Yes. Nice. We're, we're, nice. We're, we'll add a little... Uh, Uh, a little rye whiskey into it nice
1: all right and then um where are we going to be drinking these drinks
2: This, I think we need to be, uh, so now root beer on the beach don't really go together as much as Mm -hmm. say a big fruit drink, but uh, you know, because it's so hot and, and, and here, I think we have to be on the beach somewhere. So uh, it's been a while since we've gone off to Hawaii. So I thought we would jump on a plane and get ourselves to the Hawaiian islands um, and find ourselves a very lovely, comfortable spot on the beach uh, where we can swim, we can take some time and drink some root yes. beer and rye whiskey.
1: I love that idea. I love that idea. Uh, so, and then, um, well, I mean, a few of these. Uh, and then we've also just talked about the delays and how horrendously expensive it was to get here, right? Because so, <laughs> um, uh, air travel right now is a nightmare. Uh, what, um, where, will, uh, where will our conversation turn to after that?
2: Well, this week it's a bit of an esoteric conversation, I have to say, but it is, it is one that I think is ripe given the, the general, you know, one of the things that as we look at uncertainty of the future, um, you know, when we think about, well, are we going into a recession? Are we going into uncertain financial times? Are we going mm-hmm. into a bad business environment? And all of those have question marks, I think, around them. I don't think n- any of those paths are self defined at the moment. But I think it's time when we think about, you know, one of the first things that can get cut when we think about this is marketing and then, especially in their yeah. content. And it's an interesting challenge. And what made me think of it was I was going back to there. So do you know the author, David Foster Wallace? Um, I feel like I want to say yes. And then I, I have to be honest with you and say no. Okay. <laughs>
0: he's, he,
2: he's an author philosopher. Uh, uh-huh. he's, he's sadly passed away, committed suicide and actually in, 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 uh, about, uh, almost 10, 12 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he, but he addressed the, his very famous, his most famous and read work uh, came from a, a commencement speech. It's one of considered one of the classic commencement speeches, um, which is also time of year four, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was giving a graduating class, uh, the commencement speak at, at Kenyon college, uh, here in the U S and he told this little parable that has now become relatively famous um a lot of people don't know that it's him but the 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 parable you'll you'll probably recognize right away that Mm -hmm. there's two young fish swimming along and then they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them boy and says you know morning boys how's the water and Mm -hmm. the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them turns and looks at the other and goes what the hell is water (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have heard this yeah and so the point of the story, of course, as he explains it, and and, and mm-hmm. has since been certainly well understood, is that it's often the most obvious, important realities that are the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. Mm-hmm. And then that got me thinking, which is in business, content is water, right? Yeah. And... and, and 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 it and it happens to me all the time. Business leaders, whenever we go into a a workshop or a consulting engagement, the business leaders will say, "What the hell is content?" Yeah, And if you back up a second and you say, "Okay, well, what is a business? right what What are we actually talking about when we think about you know a business? Well, of course, Peter Drucker defined a business uh, in his in many of his books, but the most famous one is a definition that comes from his book, um The Book on Management."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: which is that a business is a social group that differs from other social groups in only one way is that this social group this business must have customers. Mm-hmm. And and so it's a social group that has customers basically is what he says. Yeah. And I would argue that okay well there are yes that's true but there are other bits that make up a business too such as it requires products and services, it mm-hmm. requires a marketplace to showcase those products and services and the processes and methods By which that social group operates and and in many cases we nowadays call that culture, right? What is the culture Mm -hmm. of that social group? And so the other one thing that I think that is inextricable from a business that is everywhere is content and it's the most important thing in a business and it's every business operating is the operating system of a business. It's the communication between the social group and the customers. It's the body of knowledge that describes all the methods, this culture of the route, the way the business operates. It's the main ingredient of all every experience used to showcase any product or service in a marketplace. And it's the core of helping any customer derive the most value from any of those products that we sell. And so content is literally water. It is the water mm-hmm. of our business. So, Interestingly, and I I guess maybe ironically, that provides a real challenge because it sounds like this thing that is, you know, we are literally the two fish swimming going, what the hell is water in this case? And so we see so many executives, especially in troubling times, rationalize an effort to even put some sort of strategy around content because we simply don't look at it as a best use of our time. It's like, Mm. are you kidding me? We're going to try and affect the quality of our water that we swim in. I can't Mm. even conceive of it, much less try to get our arms around trying to figure out a strategy for it. Mm -hmm. But that's the, that's sort of the, the, it's sort of a a catch 22 because you must, we must, you know, the, the, the content strategy ultimately for any business is to improve the quality of the water that we're swimming Mm in. Mm -hmm. And so, it requires that we have this ability, and that means a team and a person and a process and everything else that, you know, the business requires, focused on it, doing mm-hmm. it. And so we have to create this tension in you know the, the the way that we do this is that, you know, we don't need as a business a team that has the ability to create any kind of content that is requested of it. That is, and that by the way is what most people think about cutting, right? Mm -hmm. Is the team that is being requested to create content as a content factory or whatever. It is a true role of a strategic content team. And one that we absolutely must have in the business is one that has a process for making the deliberate choices about what content should be created. In other words, the water that does surround us. Yeah. And so, differentiating if we're trying to be a thought leader, you know, that's not about writing the most intelligent white paper or having the most Mm -hmm. entertaining blog differentiating our brand and our business comes from having the awareness and process to direct all of our water into the right way. Yeah. And so it is at the very core of a content strategy uh, or a business strategy rather to have a focus and an awareness of content and, and it, it, it is truly the thing that, whenever I hear a, a business sort of thinking, "Well, we're going to have to be thinking about cutting some things," mm. it's like, "Don't cut the one thing that is going to help you not swim in polluted water." Yeah, yeah, I love this analogy. Uh, thinking about, it, I mean, the fact you're swimming in content
1: is probably a problem in itself, <laughs> right? I think you need to, you need just enough quality content to get around in. And then um this, I uh, and then uh, what? What I visualized then was um the idea of two goldfish in a in a goldfish bowl that are polluting their own
2: water. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How big? Is, you know, it's in. like the how big is your bowl, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. 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 No, that's a great analogy. I love that. And so, um, and and uh, so what? It, what? How are you encouraging people not to sort of cut the content and to and to do this? I mean, presumably, then you've got to wake these executives up to the, to the value of what they're swimming in. How do you explain that to
2: them? It, it, you know, it is... One of the things that you have to recognize is that, you know, if, often the most uncomfortable conversation that I have with any client mm-hmm. is when I say to them and, and or senior leadership that your content process... Your, the, the, the way that you look at content must be a, must lead your communication strategy, not follow your communication mm-hmm. strategy. Mm-hmm. And w- what I mean by that is, is that the, you know, ev- all the content we create, no matter, you know, it doesn't matter where, right. you know, in the journey or the customer's journey or where in the business you're creating it, it is, you know, it, that is what expresses your strategy. It is what yeah. expresses the, the purpose of the business. So it's the byproduct of any one function, right? Brand value, lead generation, sales enablement, customer service, whatever it is, right? And yet the way that we treat content in most businesses is that content is that which just basically creates what anybody feels like talking about. In other words, content practitioners are expected to respond to the needs of the quote unquote stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Yet content teams are rarely counted as stakeholders. Yes. They are simply that which, you know, responds to the request. And thus every request made of them is quote unquote valid. And thus the content team has to act on it. And thus is it any wonder why we're swimming in too much content? Why were were there so much, you know, polluted water here? It's not strategic. So, but then when you, when you say to, uh, a business leader or that content team, you must lead it. The immediate, the, the the immediate sort of reaction is ah, what you're saying is is that the content team needs to approve everything that's said by the business. No, that's not legal. that's not what yeah. I'm saying. What yeah. we're saying is is that it must lead the process. In mm-hmm. other words, it must govern the process, not govern what is said, mm-hmm. and that is the key because. When we, when most business leaders these days say they have a content strategy, typically what they understand is, yes, here's what we have said. They can point to that and go here, we can show you what we've said as a business, but you say, okay, but do you have insight into what you should say, you know, in mm-hmm. the future? Well, no, that's not a content strategy that, mm-hmm. in other words, you've got to elevate the content process and strategy and operations and everything doing it as a planning prioritization and, uh, otherwise sort of helpful process to lead that communication rather than follow the communication Absolutely. because uh, ultimately (laughs) what that does is that it creates a tension, right? There is a tension between quantity and quality. Yeah. And so you'll always create more every business. There's not a business alive that isn't going to create more content. Every new Mm -hmm. customer, every new product, every new marketplace, every new communication, you create a need for more content. Mm -hmm. So a successful content strategy adds value by improving the quality as it facilitates or leads scale. In other words, it knows how much it should be producing. Mm-hmm. And so if you actually improve quality as you facilitate scale, the perfect balance of that is you're never creating too much content because you're always creating just enough good content. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but that only works if you yeah. lead with that strategy rather than absolutely. follow Absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm sitting here grinning because I mean, I've I've lived
1: this. So I know exactly what you're talking about, mate. And 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 quite the rent. I think we could have we could dive right into that. I think in a future over a few more of these rye whiskies and root beers. <laughs> I think because that is <laughs> that is one hell of a rent. And I think that that's so 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 true. Um, but, and, uh, so, so Robert, where can uh, people find uh, rants similar to this one or good advice?
2: Similar to well, this? they can certainly find it at our little, you know, our little home on the internet called contentadvisory.net. or they can just email me or call me. One of the two. <laughs> S- and, I mean, S- that. And,
1: and when they spin the dial on the internet, webs, where are they going to find you?
2: Uh, I've spent spending most of my time these days on LinkedIn and Twitter, although, We have our new little thing called experienceadvisors.io, a little community that we've built Mm -hmm. um, and would love to sort of uh, talk with anybody who's interested in applying for membership into that little group. Uh, And you can find that at experienceadvisors.io. Splendid, and we'll be hanging on the Discord on that one, won't we? So that's there so it is,
1: another one. All right, cool. Thank you, mate. And most importantly, will you be hanging in the virtual bar next week?
2: I will, and I'm hoping that you're going to launch a few rockets here as we uh,
1: <laughs> as we as
2: we close out.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, that's what we're all here for, us megalomaniacs, to uh, create space rockets. I Fantastic. Guess. <laughs> all right, mate. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers buddy. Thank you, Robert. Some excellent advice as usual there. So that's a wrap on episode 120 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Martin podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Chris, and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them. I'll include all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. (laughs) So, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? Let us know on the socials or drop a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as you heard, Jeff and Robert will be back. I'll be continuing to chat with previous guests as Rebecca Beaton, CMO of Reputation, will be back, which should be fun. Until then, have a great week, and I hope you'll again join us back here next week on Rockstar CMO FM.
2: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.